0: What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm here tonight with the Braden. How's it going, sir?
1: Oh, it, it's good. Uh, good weekend of results. Uh, finally get something to be happy about for Arsenal again. Um, things are slightly,
0: if briefly, better. Yeah, uh, especially with so many games coming thick and fast, it is good to get a positive result. Did we do anything positive in our uh, betting results this past weekend?
1: Yeah, so not so much. Um, it's it's a little bit of a rough week for us again. Um, going through our results, we both got two matches right. Uh, we both picked the Villa Palace game, and then you picked Arsenal Chelsea, and I picked Everton Sheffield. Um, so the results between us were pretty tight on an outlay of a thousand pod bucks um I returned 564 and dollars and 82 cents and you returned 595.91 uh, to just edge me out there. Uh so not a great week overall. A lot of draws which I went back and looked at our picks. The only draws that we picked were um you picked on the um Man City Newcastle as a draw and I picked on Arsenal Chelsea as a draw which I think is maybe a kind of weak point in in our betting a little bit is that you know potentially we have a few more draws that we could look at um and and think through especially now with the fixtures coming so so fast, I think um I think some draws are a lot more likely than they have
0: been earlier in this I definitely agree. And I mean the game we're gonna start off with in uh, Leicester, Manchester United, mm-hmm. we both took the money lines for the two teams, but both of us kind of agreed that Given how they both played, probably the draw is the safe bet, but we both wanted to be optimistic in our own way. So, going in there, Leicester City 2 to kick us off on Boxing Day, who took on Manchester United, who also scored two goals. So, Leicester 2, Man United 2. Uh, a very, very fascinating game. I thought Leicester did not look very impressive, but they ended up clawing a point out of that. Rashford's probably kicking himself for not having a hat trick. But, you know, this is what, again, another situation of uh, when you don't put a team like Leicester away, they are going to come back and bite you. And Jamie Vardy, that's what he does. One chance, one goal. But I think very, very entertaining game to kick uh, us off on Boxing Day.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It was a really good game to watch. And there's a lot of, I I thought United were, like like you said, they were pretty much on top of this game, uh, controlling it for the most part. And then... Like you said, they didn't put them away and and they had chances. Rashford missed a chance earlier on. Um, they probably should have scored, although you know, headed chances are a bit more difficult than people a lot of times give them credit for. Um, so I don't know. He should have put that away. He should, it's one of those you've got to at least put on net if you think you're a center forward. Um, but, you know, Conversely, like, there was an there was another chance that Rashford missed that I thought demonstrated a lot of Rashford's upside in this squad, uh, which is uh, one he just can't quite uh, kick it away from Smigel far enough, and and it um, and Smichel was able to make a pretty decent save, uh, but you know he really shows the anticipation to to beat a defense in behind, uh, and I think that's just something that he kind of brings to the table that I. Uh, you know, United don't really have that much in other players, but unfortunate not to get his goals. And, um, you know, Lester kind of do what Lester do is they hang around and then Vardy shows up to make the difference. And I, I think that's really what happened in this game. Uh, Barnes had a nice goal as well, an absolute rocket of a shot. Um, but uh, overall, not that much between these two teams, even if I think United were probably a little better in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would say they were considerably better in this game against Leicester. But ultimately, the XG was Leicester 1.04 and United at 2.08. So kind of double the number of chances, good chances that they had. So it's a good game. And honestly, like this is where I think Bruno Fernandes really came into his own. Cavani came into his own. So a very good game overall, in my opinion. But we can't really get too much in Death with one game. So we will get moving on to the next game. Aston Villa, three. Crystal Palace, nil. I mean, Aston Villa are just better than Crystal Palace. Everybody thinks like a- Aston Villa is a one-man army. If you think that, you're wrong. Because they're not. Like, Jack Grealish is their main man. But there is a lot of quality on that team at this point. And, yo, if they win both their games at hand, they are a point off of Liverpool. Which is... Pretty crazy, given that they survived relegation because of a dodgy goal line technology not working situation last year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I was really impressed with Villa this game to
1: just you know we we talk about Palace as kind of a team that beats up on the lower table teams, uh, but I, I thought they'd do a little bit more once Villa went down to ten after uh, Mings' red card and. He just didn't see it like Villa didn't really. They just kind of said, well, that's unfortunate. Uh, We're going to keep playing our game and really just completely dominated Palace in this game. Uh, I was really surprised to look at the XG and see that Villa had 4.5 in in XG in this game, which is probably unheard of. When you think of a team being down a man, Um, Villa are just better.
0: Yeah, I uh, most definitely agree with that. And I don't think we need to keep harping on the problems with Crystal Palace and how one-dimensional their attack is. And again, on when you're playing against a 10-man team and you can't take advantage of that, they had a point eight five XG in this game. That's not good enough, in my opinion, from Crystal Palace in this situation. Something's gone wrong in the last couple of weeks. They've conceded what 10 goals in their last two games. So um, we'll see how Crystal Palace bounces back from this situation. Did you have any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd only say that is both Liverpool and Villa are, are two of the more potent attacking teams. So, you know, you shouldn't concede 10 in two matches. But, um, you know, if if you are going to concede a lot of goals, it's probably to both of those teams.
0: Definitely agree. Moving on to the next game, a nil-nil draw. One of those that you haven't seen in a very long time in the Premier League. It feels like Fulham nil, Southampton nil. I didn't. I wish the game was a little bit more entertaining. Fulham probably a little bit better, but nope, neither one of them took their chances. And this is what happens when you don't have both the teams kind of lack a threat really at times. And this was a game that you know, Danny's can't save you every single fucking game. So here you go, uh, nil nil. Nothing else to say. I think there's nothing I learned about either one of the two teams. Fulham do look resurgent a little bit, but we shall see how long this continues.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good point about Southampton and they really miss Danny Eagles in this game. Uh, Shane Long, isn't going to be the guy that if, if Ings has a really long injury, they need to uh, go into the transfer market in January because Shane Long's just not going to get the job done. Uh, Cause if you can't do it against Fulham. Even, even with Fulham playing a little bit better recently, I, there's just not a whole lot to say. Uh, I've, Thought Fulham were the better team. There's uh some complaints about VAR decisions or non-decisions uh for both sides in this game, which I don't know, like you can go into that as much as you want. It wasn't given, so what can you really say about it more than that?
0: Exactly. I very much agree with that. So uh we will keep it moving on to the big game of the weekend. Arsenal three, Chelsea one at the Emirates. It was absolute mental scenes. In my opinion, um, Chelsea surprisingly have the better XG, which I was not expecting. However, um, all things considered, I think uh, three goals were two of them uh, were probably the best goals of the season up there for the best goal of the season. I'm going to just let you talk about this, man.
1: Yeah, I. so it's very funny uh, in this game when uh, when Xhaka went up to take the free kick, I texted a friend like and basically it sent as Xhaka was stepping up. Take a kick. I was like, you know, I'd really take Jacques as one like banger of a goal a season that he does uh, right now. And and then it's just one of the better free kicks that you're going to see this season. Just puts it. it it's completely unstoppable. Just r- really, really high quality. And and glad to see that for granted after, you know, he's a guy that just he gets in his own way a lot uh, and, and people get really frustrated with him. Uh, but he never really gives up uh playing for the team. And so I you've got to give him some credit there, even if he's not really a long-term answer. Like he, he is a guy who never hides and will actually go out there and, and do his best every single match. Uh, so you know, even if he's not the best player out there and not really the long-term answer, he deserves some credit for that. Decisions that be made about the penalty. I, you know, I think when you challenge uh, someone from behind, and was there just the slightest bit of contact? Yes, but you know, when, when you come in from behind like that, the referee is always going to lean towards calling it a penalty rather than not. In my opinion, Saka's yep. goal, Saka's <laughs> goal um, was, you yep. know, high quality, but certainly a cross, like. It, <laughs> He he joked afterwards that he saw the keeper off his line uh, on Instagram, but I, I I don't believe that for a second.
0: Yeah, I mean, given what what Arsenal's been through recently, I think um, he, even if it was a cross, even if he just like had slid and did that, you're gonna take those goals. And Chelsea, I mean i I don't understand why Jorginho was taking that penalty. Am I like I understand that he is supposed to be a really great career penalty taker, but he's missed the last couple that he's taken. And, I mean, pretty ominous signs with Timo Warner getting taken out, the team looking better without him. Because, you know, at the end of the day, he can play out on the left, but he's not a winger. He is somebody who wants to run in behind him. Th- that is a key, key problem or a key, key piece that uh, they need to figure out how to use because Lampard has too much riding on what Timo Warner can do because you are not depending on Tammy Abraham. Like, that goal was good, but it was all hudson like coming out and doing his thing. So Pulisic looked good for Chelsea as well, but uh, as far as Arsenal goes, I think big, big three points. We'll, I think you'll need to build on this, because you have had, like, the big game. You had the Man United game as well. But um, this felt a little bit different, felt like a lot of pressure release, and uh, we'll see how you guys do moving forward. And I think both these teams have some decent matchups coming up. So when we do the preview for that in the second segment, that will be interesting for sure. Something that wasn't interesting was uh, Newcastle United taking on Manchester City. Man City pretty much, in my eyes, dominated the game in the way you expect them to. They're still, in my, again, for me, they're not as um, potent going forward as you want a championship-winning team to be. But Aguero's coming back saw him come do his thing. So maybe uh, things are about to turn for Manchester city.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that city got in the lead and kind of kept Newcastle at arm's length and they never really did anything to challenge, uh, and to, to really threaten, um, city in this matchup. So it's Callum Wilson didn't play. And just when Callum Wilson doesn't play, you really struggle to see what this Newcastle team is going to do. Um, city deserving winners and it's exactly what you think i it's nitpicking a little bit to say that oh you didn't win by enough goals but i do mostly agree with you as far as they're not really quite playing to the level you expect city to play at really like i think this is a problem they've created for themselves by just being this prolific attacking team the past four or five years that you know when they're playing a little bit more pragmatically you think something's wrong
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think as far as Manchester City just go, I think Kevin De Bruyne looks, I mean, let me rephrase that. They're creating a lot of chances that they just haven't finished. If you look at the XG, at some point they're going to start scoring. And I think that's what everyone has been waiting for. And Newcastle are just not good enough to take advantage of these situations because there were times where, you know, Amaran, I think, played Wilson through at one point or Jolinton through and, All they could do was essentially just shoot the ball straight into Ederson's hands. And, you know, a better team, if that was Mo Salah, if that was uh, even a Nicolas Pepe with a little bit more pace, a little bit more uh, finishing product, I think you would have seen maybe a different game. So Manchester City, they take on Chelsea very soon. So I think that would be a make-or-break game for both these teams to see who is really a challenger and who is out there being a pretender. Moving on to the final game of Boxing Day, Sheffield United, nil. Everton, one Sheffield, and I probably feel hard done by with that result. But again, Everton's becoming a team where if you don't put them away, they're going to come back and bite you. And all they had to do was get the win. Like, I don't think they cared about the scoreline. They cared about how it came. All they cared about was three points. They got the three points. And, um, they're up there, again, with the number of points they have. Angelotti seems to be doing a good job. And who knows, maybe it's about to be uh, two Liverpool teams and two uh, Manchester teams in the top four.
1: Yeah, it'd be a really interesting uh, title race if Everton uh, kind of take a step forward and can stay up here uh, just with the two Liverpool teams kind of going back and forth. And, and same with uh, United and City, although we're a little bit more used to that uh, than than Everton being in the mix. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Like Everton, you know, just they're just there to get three points. They got it. Sheffield, again, just have some chances and can't put them away. And that's going to that's a, just a recurring thing for them is they're just not. When you look at XG and the quality of chances that they get, it's OK, but it's they're not putting them away. It's a little bit of the same problem that we talk about with Brighton all the time. They're not good enough to to have that problem. Uh, they've got to figure out what the solution for that is shortly.
0: I mean, I, I think they'll figure that out in the championship next year. Uh, sorry to say that, but I mean, that is what the reality is for Sheffield United as things stand. Moving on to a very, very controversial game. Leeds United won Burnley. Now, Burnley probably feel like the goal got taken away. Sean Dyche gave a wild press conference where he made his, um, you know, discontent very, very public. And I think Leeds, they, much like Uh, We just talked about Everton. All they needed after that 6-2 thrashing was three points at home, go win the game, and move on with it. I think Burnley, probably not the result they were looking for, and given everything that transpired, probably not very happy with uh, the overall loss either.
1: I agree with that. Burnley had a couple chances. Uh, They did exactly kind of what we said they would for uh, set pieces and, and crosses in, and you know, both really good chances in front of goal that they couldn't put away. And to me, that's kind of the difference in this match is Burnley had the chance to create them how they wanted. And just, you know, Chris Wood wasn't able to put it away. And, you know, leads got a penalty, put it away and kind of do what Leeds do is they create a lot of pretty decent chances. And eventually one goes in, even if even if it is a penalty, they got a penalty in this instance instead of from open play. But. You know, job done for Leeds. Like like you said, just kind of recover from the defeat against United and kind of just you got to get some momentum again. And that's exactly what they did.
0: Yeah, and it seems very, very likely that they are going to build on this. But we, we shall see how Burnley bounced back from this too because I thought they should have gotten something out of this game at the very least. Uh, another game where we keep talking about Brighton and how they couldn't score most times in here, they took the lead twice and just couldn't, Hang on to those leads in order to get those three points very well played from West Ham United to come back twice and get the point at home West Ham to Brighton to pretty even game in my eyes. I thought uh, both the teams played pretty well for you know what what they were worth, and I think both I guess probably both the teams are just happy taking a point, avoiding defeat, moving on to the next round because they are very similar teams with West Ham having outperformed so far what Brighton has done.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that looking at this game overall, I I think that it's two pretty even teams that played to a stalemate. Just just like you said, it's Brighton probably had a few better chances than West Ham did, but it, it's not significant. Like it, it's pretty even game. Dunk had a really nice finish um, for for a team that can't uh, can't finish uh, to put a defender up there to finally just poke one into the top corner. Like, I, I was quite impressed with that. Overall, like this is Brighton's just got to figure out a way to to get a win for some of these games. Like it's it's good and it's good enough to draw. Like like you said, one point's fine. They need they need to take another step here, though.
0: Most definitely need to take that step. Uh, Moving on to the next game, a stunning result at Anfield. Liverpool won. West Brom won. That was kind of you know not not a very expected result, but big Sam four games undefeated at Anfield with four different teams out. So that is something. Um, Klopp again, lost it in the post-match conference. And I'm like, dude, everybody's dealing with the same shit. Like stop crying about the same fucking thing over and over again. And, you know, I think blaming the, uh, the team and himself is one, like, I understand that, but you have to give credit to Westbrook. I'm like, you cannot come out the week before saying, Oh, you, you cannot park a bus. You can't park a fucking airplane in uh, Anfield. And this is not how we play football. And then when somebody does it successfully, you can't be fucking salty about that.
1: I mean, I think you'd be surprised. Klopp seemed pretty salty about it. Um, But I I think you're right. Like it's, it's a very, the, the onus in this game is for Liverpool to beat West Brom. Like West Brom are just there to try to get whatever they can from it. And, you know, this is kind of the standardized blueprint, right? Like, keep it very tight. You get a set-piece chance, and and there it is. And that, it, Liverpool just, you kind of got to do better than this in this match. Like, they they had some chances, didn't put away, but it, this wasn't a – Liverpool were on top of the game in this. Like, I'm not trying to say that they, they weren't the better side, but this wasn't the full-on, like – just complete domination that I felt like I felt West Brom did a decent enough job of making Liverpool take bad shots sometimes sometimes Liverpool's forwards just put those away like Salah can bang one bang a wonder goal sometimes and sometimes it does work out
0: and credit to big Sam and West Brom this is why he's there right yeah I mean th- this is exactly what he was brought there to do and West Brom by the way sneaky has given literally every single big team trouble so far. Like United, I think, are the only team that's beaten them, and we beat them 1-0 on a dodgy penalty. And, uh, uh, other 3-3 than, with Chelsea? Che- 3-3 with Chelsea. City drew against them 1-1, and now this at Anfield. So it is very, very interesting to see how West Brom progresses because early on they did not look good, but now they look like more of a complete team, in my opinion. But that brings us to the final game of this weekend. Wolverhampton Wanderers won, Tottenham won. I mean, I'm at a loss of words. Uh, how terrible Tottenham managed that game because you took the lead, like Wolves were all over the place. I think you should have gone for it and like scored a couple more when you when you were on top. Um, but again, Wolves are one of those teams. We've said this same thing happened against Chelsea. You don't put them away when you have your chances. You try to get too cute. And then they will come and dunk on you. And Pedro Neto, Podins, and um, these guys, and what's his name? Fabio Silva, very, very good players. And behind them were Moutinho and Ruben Neves. So they're a good, good team. A very intense battle for 90 minutes. Mourinho's got to be kicking himself for the way he set up his team. But that's how he sets up every fucking team. And I just don't think Spurs have enough quality in their defense to see out the games the way Mourinho wants you to.
1: I think that's pretty fair overall. And I think that Wolves are a team that if you can get them early, that that's really when you need to do them because they do really well in the second half of matches. Like you can see them. I think – I think I saw a stat that was uh, like the last 15 minutes of matches uh, over the past two years, like Wolves had the most goals and, or or maybe his biggest goal differential. I I can't remember exactly what that stat was, but it was a very impressive at the end of games, Wolves will always, you know, push for a comeback. That's kind of what you saw in this match. And Wolves had a chance right at the end of Silva that they could have won this game. You know, Spurs, when you look at them, they had five shots in the first 20 minutes and then... After that, the only shot they took was a dire free kick in the 56th minute. And, or 58th minute, excuse me. And that's just not going to get it done. I, I don't think you can really win the Premier League with one shot from a free kick in the second half. Against a yeah, no. squad that are decent, but
0: not like... It's it's not the best squad in the league. I very much agree, and when I look at this current uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers team, they are if Raul Jimenez was playing, I would give them a good shot of winning this game because of how, spur, how bad spurs were. And looking at Harry Kane playing essentially as a central defending midfielder from time to time and human song and him starting their runs from right outside their own penalty box kind of seemed weird to me. I felt like they were a bit too too far behind. But, um, I mean, Mourinho wants to play that way. Mourinho wants a compact team. And I think because of the fact that his team is not good defensively, he's taking away what his team is actually good at, which is the attacking side of things, and putting them even more pressure on them to defend. And, hey, they play Fulham next. We're going to talk about it in the second segment of this podcast. But with the way everything's going of uh, teams wanting to hire former uh, players as their managers, Scott Parker coming out and showing up Mourinho at the new Tottenham Stadium would be something in my opinion on that note uh we'll end the first segment of this podcast right here we'll be back with the upcoming games previews on the second segment cheers what's up guys we are back with the second segment of this podcast we are going to preview all the upcoming games um Stryker seems to be very very excited and i'm very happy about that uh for those of you who are joining us for the first time, the easy way we do this is instead of just giving you our predictions, we kind of give you our bets and try to make it a little bit more interesting. We get $1,000, that's $100 per game, and we get to bet on a three-way money line any way we would like. We normally give you our best bets, but um, there's just way too much stuff going on right now, so just bear with us through these festive fixtures. Having said that, let's get it started with Crystal Palace. At home, at plus 290, taking on Leicester at minus 105. Draw at plus 250. Over-under is a two and a half. Are you, do you think Leicester is about to like just go have a party, or do you think this is where Crystal Palace are finally bound to have a better game?
1: I, I don't know that Palace are going to have a better game. I I think that Leicester will have a little bit of trouble breaking down. Um, Palace will probably slip back very deep and I think Lester may have just the slightest bit of trouble getting through that, but I think they will eventually get through it, and, and they'll be a pretty easy winners in this game. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a hundred on Lester to win this game. I think they'll mostly be in control, and the way Palace has played the last couple of matches, they they're in desperate need of some better form, and I don't
0: see it happening this match. So that is a very interesting take. For me, I'm kind of conflicted between going all-in on uh, Leicester City like you did. But at the same time, just because of the odds, I'm going to try to play the odds and put $50 on the draw. I think at some point, Palace is going to have at least one or two good moments. And Leicester are vulnerable. I don't think Leicester are as good. I want to give Crystal Palace one last chance to let me down before uh, I eventually jump off that ship. Over under a two and a half. That is also very interesting. I I guess you could see a two one or a three no for Leicester if you really want to, but if Palace wins, I don't think it'd be a very high scoring game.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I would lean towards the under, but I don't I don't know that I feel confident enough to take it um either way, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I, I just wouldn't bet on this, in my opinion. Moving on to quite possibly one of the biggest games of uh, uh, Frank Lampard's short managerial career at Chelsea so far. Chelsea at home at minus one fifty, taking on Aston Villa at plus three eighty. Draw is at plus three one five. The over under is at three. It seems like they are going all in on Chelsea because of the fact that Aston, uh Aston Villa, you know, are. Aston Villa did not uh, got a little bit less rest than Chelsea did. However, what do you believe is going to happen in this game?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's that much less rest. I think the main thing is is that Chelsea are a name brand uh, that you know, kind of your casual betters are are going to flock to uh, generally, and so I think that Chelsea are getting a lot of um, a lot of stock in that for this match, and so it's. I look at a Villa team that I think like they are just really playing well and they, they're capable of, um, you know, putting in a couple of stinkers here and there. Um, like they, they have had a few matches where they've just kind of fell flat uh, for no real reason whatsoever, but uh, they're creating a lot of chances out there. And I, they, they press more than any uh, team in the Premier league so far this season. And I think Chelsea didn't, they really struggle with Arsenal when they pressed, but I think that when Arsenal were able to press effectively, that's kind of when Arsenal created the most problems for them. So I can see that being an issue for Chelsea in this match. So I don't know. I just, I can't look away from the fact that you're getting Villa at plus 380 end here. I'm going to take a small bet. I'm going with 75 on, I'm going with 75 on the draw. I, I, I think there's going to be a response from Chelsea in this as well. Like I know I spent a lot of time there telling you why Villa are probably going to beat Chelsea there. But I just, I do expect to see some sort of response uh, from Chelsea in here. But I do think that Villa are going to play them very, very tough in this match.
0: Yeah, I very much agree with that. And I am going to put down $150 on Chelsea in this circumstance. Because I think you said it at the very end. I'm expecting a response. Lampard looked absolutely furious in the press conference, which, you know what? My original comment about Lampard was not, it was never about how uh, he's not as good a manager, but I had questions about his man management skills. And I, if you're, if people take the piss out of when Mourinho comes out swinging at players, like I would, I really did not like what Lampard said in, uh, his post-match conference essentially being a like, players need to do this. Like, no, be the manager, just take the blame like every other big manager does, and, like, you deal with that in your dressing room. So that's what I would have liked to see.
1: Yeah, there was a really interesting comment in the post-match presser where he said something to the effect of, I take the blame on the outside, but the players need to take responsibility. It's like, that uh, that's a very odd statement, uh, just in general. Like I, When you're a manager, the buck stops with you 100%. It's just it's kind of how it is and his players didn't perform, but you know, the players are his responsibility. He's the one who picked them. And it's not like Chelsea are just stuck with too few options to, to put out a, a good team. So I I thought that was an odd statement all the way
0: around. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I, uh, that pointed me towards this bet as well, where I think if the Chelsea player because Chelsea again, has had problems with their managers in the past. So, um, don't think it's going to be the case with Lampard in case anybody wants to like, go uh, snap that shit up. But um, I want to just say that if Chelsea does not rebound well in this game, they got Man City coming up after this. It's it, it's looking pretty hellish. Like They have lost three of their last four going into this game. If they lose this at home, very unlikely, but if they do drop points, I think uh, against Manchester City, it could be wild, wild scenes, especially Lampard. Uh, Taking on his uh, former club in Manchester City, I guess. In that <laughs> yeah. situation, the over/under is at three. I, I think if there is a possibility that one of these two teams just implodes, if like things don't go their way, and especially without uh, Mings, it could be problematic for Villa. But I think this is a perfect game to bring on Oliver Giroud, start him from the get go, play Hudson Adoy, play the kids who seem better than fucking Warner has. In the last month and a half. So, and I think I think Chelsea should be fine as far as this game is concerned. Moving on to the next game. Uh, moving on to the next game, Everton at home hosting Manchester City. Everton at plus five twenty-five. That is a bit crazy in my eyes. Man City is at minus minus two oh five. The draw is at plus three sixty-five. The over-under is at the three. I I just think it's a bit disrespectful to the line where uh, they set for Everton.
1: Yeah, this is a really disrespectful line to Everton. And kind of what I said before about Chelsea getting a lot of credit uh, for their being a name brand in the uh, in their match. I think City are getting the same thing here, where it's City, everyone expects City to win, so put money into City, that sort of thing. And, and I think there's a lot of credit to that. And so I... I look at these two teams and you know, city are probably a little bit better of a team. I I think that's fair, but they're not, they're not plus five twenty five for Everton uh, better. So I'm going to have to go with um, those odds for Everton. I'm going with 75 on uh, Everton to win this match. I think they've got some of the players like with Calvert-Lewin, the play style that I think city don't really love to play against they've got a shot in this match a lot better than 525 <laughs> would indicate.
0: Yeah. I am going to piggyback off of that and put down a hundred dollars on Everton in this situation as well. I think the one thing Everton are good at is if Dem- Dominic Albert Lewin is clinical, he can really take to his chances and yes, Aguero is coming back, but this is his first game back. So like uh, that, he's potentially going to start to uh, clear up my statement. So I think, this is uh for the money man. I'm I'm gonna take Everton in this scenario. Uh, over under at three seems a little bit high, but Man City do have the capacity to just fucking score goals if they if it becomes one of those days. And um, Everton on the counter can actually threaten you with the Mason Hallgates pace as well as um what's his name, the and you know just having the midfield uh going um, bombing forward like that. Having said that, we got a relegation six-pointer coming up between Brighton and Arsenal. Brighton at plus 220, Arsenal at plus 120. The draw at plus 245, over-under is at two and a half. I'm going to just go ahead and put down $100 on Arsenal in this game. I think they're the better team. I think um, Brighton don't score a whole lot. Arsenal's defense is good. The game against Chelsea is going to really do uh, the morale some, give them some confidence and Brighton also played a day later. So I just think Arsenal's going to have an easy three points coming up.
1: Yeah. Everything points to Arsenal in this match, which has really got me worried. Um, I, you know, I think this, how you bet this game comes down to, do you think that Arsenal will take the Chelsea result and really kick on? Or do you think that they might have a letdown spot after, uh, after kind of getting the monkey off the back there? If you think that Arsenal kick on, you should bet heavily on Arsenal here, I think. Because as plus favorites to Brighton, I think that's a really good spot for them. Because uh, talent-wise, they are a better team, even if they haven't looked at it at times this season. Um, so I'm going to go with 150 on Arsenal. I think they've got the talent. I think that um, hopefully they kick on from Chelsea let's hopefully keep playing Smith row. Like I really liked what I saw from him in that game, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's it, if Arsenal are going to get any sort of momentum this season, this has to be the spot, right? You just beat Chelsea. You've got Brighton. Then you've got West Brom. Uh, the, this is a spot where you can kind of make up some of that spot and kind of put a lot of people at ease Go into January, maybe get someone to kick on. So Arsenal really need to do something on this spot.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that, that is the primary reason I'm taking Arsenal in this situation. It, it is time to capitalize on what you have done. However, every time when all signs point to Arsenal having an easy game, it does not pan out to be an easy game for them. Moving on to uh, another relegation six-pointer, Burnley taking on Sheffield United. Burnley at plus 140. Sheffield United at plus 225. The draw is at plus 215. The over-under is at two. This is going to be a one nil either way, or maybe a one one in my opinion. So I just could I'm be a nil nil. Could be a nil nil too. So I'm just trying to formulate which way I want to go with this. It's really tough because I look at
1: usually when you see over under two, the first thing I think of is what's the pathway to get to over two, and in this match, I'm really struggling to get to it. I I just don't really see. I don't I don't see it. Like there's not the there's not the finishing ability in Sheffield, even if they create the chances. Burnley aren't that interested in creating chances to begin with. Um, I don't know. Like I I'm gonna go with 75 on the draw. Like I think I think this is two teams that'll kind of neutralize each other, and it'll be another
0: match without a win for Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, so I want to go down that path as well, but I am just gonna Actually, fuck it. I'm I'm gonna put down fifty dollars on the draw as well in this situation. I think the it, there is just enough um of a of a, a, th- there is a path to the draw that seems the most likely result right now, and that is, is exactly why I am going to take the draw in this situation. Moving on to the next game, Southampton taking on West Ham United. Southampton a plus one one five. West Ham I mean, United at plus two thirty, the draw is at plus two fifty-five, over under the two and a half. How are you feeling about this game? This is a tough match. I I
1: really want to know what's gonna happen with Danny Ings for this match and if he if he's still gonna be out for it. Because if he is, I just you saw a Southampton team that really, really struggled to um to to do much with Shane Long in there instead of um instead of Ings. And so, I don't know, like generally I wouldn't think that that would be that much of a, a of a worry because they, they do have some other people who can, I don't know, they just don't really have anyone that plays that number nine role quite like Danny Ings. Like it's, um, Adams is a decent forward, Theo Walcott can be a decent striker, but they're all just very different from what Danny Ings does. And I'm... I look at West Ham and I think they've got the height to match up with Southampton on set pieces because I think that's a that's a part where Southampton really capitalize on teams. But you've got Rice, you've got Sucek, you've got you know you've got a lot of big bodies um, for West Ham that you don't usually have, and so. I'm even. I'm going to go against a plus favorite here. I'm going to go with 50 on West Ham. Um, I think the odds are decent enough that they've got a shot, uh, especially if Ings misses. I, I would probably wait to actually place this bet until you know for sure that Ings misses, because if Ings is in there, I think it's a very different proposition all
0: the way around. Yeah, I agree with that. And being, you know, not having the news about Ings that you can't really get until the teams are announced. Um, I'm going to put down uh, $50 on West Ham just because, uh, much like you've said, everything that Southampton are good at, um, West Ham can neutralize, and that could essentially ensure a West Ham path to victory, which, again, David Moyes has done a very decent job this year with West Ham United, so um, credit where credit's due. Finally finding his uh, feedback in the Premier League. Moving on to the next game. Another team finding its feet in the Premier League. West Brom taking on Leeds United. West Brom at plus 265. Leeds at even odds. The draw at 265. Over-under is at three. This, everybody's going to talk about how Leeds should really win this game. But I have a feeling West Brom's going to come out swinging in this game.
1: I'm kind of with you. I look at this and I kind of think it's a trap. Um because I think that West Brom are going to be very happy to let Leeds have the ball and just kind of try to clog the mill. Kind of very similar to the game plan they laid out against Liverpool, I think, where it's just, you're going to be very compact and make them take bad shots. And I don't really know that Leeds, like if, if Liverpool struggled to create good chances out of that, I I don't really know that Leeds are going to be able to, to create much better than that. Leeds are the better team and should probably win this game um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with a hundred on the draw here i think that i think big sam will be happy to get a point from it if he can um i don't know I, I think these two teams in the end will play pretty close to each other and um kind of neutralize each other for the most part
0: yeah that's fair um i so there are certain things that I don't like about Leeds United defensively. I mean, if there's anything to like about them defensively to begin with, um, they are not very good at defending set pieces. And that's what Big Sam earns his money off, like, you know, set pieces. And Ivanovich is one of those threats that he is probably going to play this game. And yes, it's going to be a high intensity. As you said, they'll just give them the ball. Be like, we don't want to play you on your game, but we will play you in our Way And West West Brom are a team that can really go out there and, uh, you know, uh, kind of make life tough for a team like Leeds. So I'm going to put down $150 on West Brom to win this game. I think at home, uh, a little bit more confidence after those Man City and uh, Liverpool results. I think this is finally a time for them to like, hey, they have an opponent that is vulnerable at things. Let's go get those three points. And um, that is how I... See this game go uh, over under three goals. I would I would take the over in this situation just because I think Leeds have an implosion factor at all points in their defense, and West Brom also are a team that if they concede a couple, I don't see them like try to just be like, hey, we we'll keep it at two 0 So um, that's the only reason. But three is a bit too much. If it came down to two and a half, I'd probably take the over.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point to watch for any line movement there because. I do think that leads the way they play leads to extreme results just in general. So I think that there's a lot of times you can be pretty safe taking the over with it, but um, I would feel better about it at two and a half rather than really needing four goals to win. The bet is probably a lot to ask from a
0: team with big Sam involved. <laughs> yep. That is a very, very true Moving on to the next game, Manchester United taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers. A very disrespectful line to Wolves, in uh, my opinion. Man United coming in at minus 185. Wolves at plus 525. Draw is at plus 325. The over-under is at two and a half. I mean, how do you look away from that Wolves line?
1: So my only concern with Wolves in this match is they generally have a pretty small squad uh, that you're asking them to turn around really quickly, which... So some of the matches after Europa League, they really struggled with. And I think that you could see some of that. I think United are also, like we talked about City, we talked about Chelsea, getting a lot of credit for being the name brand. And I think that that's definitely happening with United here. But I, I do have some real concerns with Wolves and being able to play so quickly after a short rest with a, with a little bit smaller of a squad. Uh, all that said, I'm, I'm going to go with 200 on United in this game. I just think it's going to be too much for uh, for wolves to
0: come back back quickly. Damn. uh that was not the bet I was expecting you to take. Okay. I am going to put down a hundred dollars on uh, the draw. Actually, no, I'm I'm going to put down a hundred dollars on uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm going to do my usual routine. I would not, I would really not be happy with a draw in this situation. But th- the one thing wolves do very well is press high up, and the only reason. I'm a little bit unsure if that's going to happen is because they played today and um, have that extra, you know, less day of rest to turn them around. As you said, that is going to be the problem. But if they do try to press us high, it is going to be a problem. Lindelof potentially is out for Man United. So um, we will have to see how uh, this progresses, but it could be a very, very entertaining game. I would take the over uh, two and a half in my opinion in this game. I think United is definitely going to concede and I think Wolves are definitely going to concede. So there's two goals right there. And if you think somebody's going to win the game, then there's a third goal there.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. At two and a half, you can definitely see a lot of fireworks in this, especially, like you said, if Wolves do press, United do have the pace to beat them in behind as well. Mm -hmm. So I I think there will be
0: uh, chances on both sides that you'll see a lot of. Absolutely. So we shall see how this game goes. Moving on to the penultimate game of the midweek fixtures, Spurs at minus 195, taking on Fulham at plus 550, the draw at plus 330, overrunners at two and a half. I think this is probably finally going to be the game where uh, Spurs, you know, light up the league again because I dropped Harry Kane from my fantasy team, so he's probably going to, you know, go off. But Fulham have played decent so far.
1: Yeah, I look at this and I'm... I I don't know. I don't want to say that the line is disrespectful for Fulham because they've been poor for most of the season, but the way these two teams have played in in just the past three or four fixtures, I, I think it'll be closer than this line indicates. Um, and I think you often see Jose play for not, not necessarily just playing for a draw, but you don't see them just go set out to blow away teams. And it's possible Fulham Keep it close here. um, I'm I'm gonna go with 75 on the draw. Um, I I don't see a path to Fulham really winning this game, um, but you know I I do think that the way that Spurs set up sometimes, uh, if Fulham can keep it close, they can they um, they have the talent to just get a goal kind of from nothing at some point. So I we'll we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean that is. A- very uh obvious concern with the teams involved but for me like i think spurs are going to have a reaction spurs are at home and they're probably going to want to you know show some detractors because Mourinho probably does not want to go down even further in the league table so i'm going to put down 245 dollars on spurs i didn't do a very good calculation before this to uh have enough money because the last two games i don't really think are good odds to with a proper result out there so I'm just gonna put all my chips almost all my chips in here and go with the 245 on Spurs. I i would say Son and Kane probably both score in this game. Moving on to the final game of the midweek fixtures, Newcastle at plus nine fifty hosting Liverpool and minus three forty five. The draw is at plus four seventy five over under is at three how are you feeling about this?
1: I just even, it's hard for me to look past the fact that Liverpool played a really frustrating match. Klopp got all fired up um, just today. And it, I feel like Newcastle are going to be the sacrificial lamb for this match and just get wiped. Um, so I'm going with 200 on Liverpool. They're the better team. I think they will be motivated for it. I don't think they're going to be, I, I think Klopp is going to be aware to the fact that this is the opportunity. This is the part of the season that i think liverpool can maybe put some distance between them uh, and and their opponents um if they're going to make a serious title run i think they need to do that so i i think that they come out and just really blow away newcastle in this match
0: yeah i mean that that is kind of what i envision happening however just because it's uh, the odds and the money I have left, I'm going to put down $5 on the draw in this situation because there's the most I can expect out of Newcastle, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's, the, that's very fair.
0: And,
1: and I had the same um, money management issue that you had. I just chose to go in on this game and you
0: went on this first game. So that's very fair. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that brings us to an end of uh, this review and preview podcast. We will have a couple more, I think, uh, where we will have to do both the preview and the review on the same podcast, but it gives you one hour, uh, one hour, 10 minutes overall to uh, get the whole, um, you know, weekend's Premier League action in and any betting lines, any changes in the betting lines from when we give you the lines to when the lines actually come out. If you see somewhere that there's money to be made, go ahead and capitalize and even tell us. It'll really help us out. So on that note, we shall see you one last time for the final episode of 2020.